Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you and enjoy. Hello, St. Basil's. We are here with the Tommy Dome. Hello. Tommy Dome, a wonderful director of evangelization. More adjectives. A father, <laughs> husband. <laughs> yes. And now, more recently, a stroke survivor. Multiple strokes a survivor. Hi, I'm back. Yep, thanks. You might have heard a bunch of that stuff happened. And we'll talk about that, but not talk about it too much, because really, I just want to talk about how does this relate to God, my relationship with God, prayer, praying through fears, and sort of living in that dynamic between when our feelings don't always line up with reality. Sound good? Sounds good. And I believe this all starts with Usher. <laughs> yeah. So I had a headache for a week and it started, the first time I remember asking for uh, some headache medicine was when Usher took his shirt off and put on roller skates. That's, And then I had a headache for a week straight, just constant after that was a little dizzy at times a little bit of the flashing lights in the periphery at times and ended up going to the emergency room because the room was spinning one day here at work just so much going on room spinning so busy as and if you were on roller skates <laughs> yes as if i had fallen on my rear on roller skates and so my wife took me to the ER, they did all the scans, I was there for two days, CAT scan, MRI, and they said, guess what, I'm sure you've heard you've had a stroke, and I was like, no, I didn't hear that, thanks for notifying me. And then the neurologist came in soon after that and said, you've had multiple strokes. So I'm not really into the medical issues, and they don't, <laughs> I don't care about them too much, I care more about uh, how this impacts my family and Jesus. So. Yeah, had multiple strokes caused from some bleeding artery at the base of my skullet and it uh, clotted and yeah. Anyways, neurologist was very, very surprised when he saw me because he saw my MRI first and was expecting me to be in pretty bad shape. But he saw me, my incisive, sharp wit. <laughs> he did not know how to handle any of that. And... <laughs> And uh, he was very, very surprised. He, he was shocked at how I could see everything, feel everything, and pass all of his neurological tests. And a neurological test, in case you didn't know, Lisa, is where they pull out a sterile, individually wrapped wooden toothpick and poke all over your body and say, did you feel that too? And I felt all of the poking, which is a great sign. And thanks be to God. So here I am back at work a week later. And back at 100% driving and all that sort of stuff. Very happy to be back. And I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody from St. Basil the Great and also St. Barnabas, where my wife works. We work at two different Catholic parishes. It's a long story. But thank you for all the prayers and the cards and the texts and donations and emails and jokes to make me laugh. I appreciate them all. They mean so much to me. And it, you, this is just such a great, faithful, helpful, virtuous, kind, compassionate community to be a part of. And I'm so lucky 
That's why I've been here 18 years, because this place is the best. So thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, you can stand in for everyone. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. But like I said, I wanted to talk about the fears that I had when I was in there and undergoing these tests and they start using these scary words. So I had three main fears and I just sort of wanted to share about that and about how does God play into all that? Because these fears, they always can teach us something about ourselves. So the first one was, interestingly enough, I was afraid to pray. Now I was praying hard, prayers of petition. I was praying for my wife and my two daughters, very hard. Then I was, you know, praying that I would get well and all that. But the prayer that I didn't engage in for a couple of days was listening to God's voice because I was scared. Is this when you're in the hospital? Yeah. And the first like day after, day or two after. I was scared because I didn't want to use my brain. I didn't want to think. I didn't want to focus. And I, I didn't want to concentrate. I just wanted to go to sleep and hope that this would all be over when I woke up or they just wake me up for another test and I go do it and they're like, good job. And I'm like, see ya back to sleep. It was really easy to sleep. Uh, so that was awesome. But I was afraid of breaking my brain, which doesn't make sense, but not all fears are rational. Some are, if there's a bear in the woods, you can be afraid of them. Uh, but this didn't really make sense that, uh, that thinking would hurt something physically in my brain, but I don't know. I was just scared. So what did I do when I was afraid to pray? It's funny. It's kind of like a win-win situation. Cause I was like, God, I'm not going to pray. And I'm already praying cause I'm talking to God and it's a win-win for God because I'm praying and a win for me too because I wasn't really praying. I was just saying, I don't want to think. I don't want to try hard to hear your voice right now. I'm just going to be here and show you that I'm scared and please be with me. So I was just sort of praying for God's presence, which is good. That's good prayer, you know? It's a starting point. Yeah, I wasn't trying to have a profound thought or some deep insight. It was just, here I am. Can you love me right now? And that's what God, he loves to have that too. You became baby Tommy. Yeah, childlike like the Gospels ask us to. The second fear, something else I learned about myself, was I was afraid to read a book. Because I was afraid I wouldn't understand the words. And then I'm like, well, why? Why is this a fear for me? And it's because I like reading, listening, learning. I like to learn about the faith and about prayer and spirituality and ethics and liturgy. And I love all the Catholic stuff. But when I wrap my identity up in that, and God allows a situation at least where maybe that can be taken away, and I get a little scared... What that shows me about myself is I'm wrapping my identity up in that. I'm wondering, will I still be loved? Will I still be useful if I can't learn and therefore teach and therefore bring people to you? Is that what's truly lovable about me? And God says that's not. It's a nice little bonus, little Tommy, but you're lovable because I made you and you're part of my family and I've adopted you and chosen you. And I'm your father. 
So that was interesting to pray with and sort of surrender to God and say, you know, if I can never do this again, um, yeah, I'm just going to have to come to terms and accept the reality, even if I don't currently feel it, that you love me, God, and that I'm lovable, even if I can't perform these functions, right? Fear number three was that I was and still am just a ticking time bomb. And soon something's going to happen in my brain and that'll be the end of it. Which is all about mortality, right? Which we all have. We all have that mortality. But when it comes home, that's much more serious, right? I was praying with the gospel today from Matthew. Well, not from today's mass readings, but just a passage from Matthew about some guys like, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere, all the time, everywhere, forever. And Jesus is just like, that's cute. He goes, foxes have dens and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Which is like, you're going to be a real Christian and you're going to be a, a loner sometimes. You're going to be solo sometimes. And praying with this, I'm like, yeah, my, my mortality is about me being a pilgrim. And this is not where I belong. This is not my home. This is just transitory. I'm a traveler. So if I ever feel alone, if I ever feel like a lone ranger at some times, that that's okay. That following Jesus, sometimes that's going to happen. Like when I went to college, I went to Ohio University, and I had been discerning whether to join the priesthood right out of high school, but I didn't even know how to discern back then. I thought God's will for me was some secret that he was keeping from me until I was holy enough for him to reveal it. But that's not a loving father. That's a very cruel tyrant. I know better now, but back then I didn't know. So I ended up going to Ohio University, which is the next closest thing to a Catholic seminary. No, it wasn't at all, but I was uh, very much uh, tested isn't the right word. I was just given an opportunity like, are you going to do this for real when you have no support system, no friends, going to church and it's just you? And seven elderly people at daily mass, which was the actual number. Like, it was such a small amount. We were in this tiny chapel. And when you walked in, you, like, grabbed a host, unconsecrated host, and put it on the patent. That was, like, your attendance. So, he so he always consecrated the correct number of hosts. I don't know if it's right or not, but it was accurate. <laughs> That's what he did. And all the people, you know, these were just older folks with bum knees and stuff. So, I just had to be the lector every single day. <laughs> They're like, you can get up and go to the Ambo two Lecture, feet away. Altar server. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was perfect for me to have to do those things on my own and be like, yeah, I do choose you, God. You know, I'd play cornhole in the afternoon and then be like, hey, guys, I got to run to Mass real quick and then just come back and jump right back in. So those were my three, those were my three fears. But the last one, the ticking time bomb one, one more thing about that. You know, I had this lie, and I'm sure it's going to come back into my head, but it was like, if you're a ticking time bomb, why set goals? Why have ambitions? Why make plans? So there's just this sort of element of the evil one trying to get me to be discouraged and to despair and give up, right? And I was praying with that, and a line from the book of Exodus came to mind right when Moses is with the burning bush. And Moses asked this great question. He says, who am I to go before Pharaoh, lead your people out of Egypt? 
He says, who am I? And you'd think God's response would be like, I'll tell you exactly who you are. But God doesn't do that at all. God replies with, I am. I am who I am. I'm the one who is. I am existence. So this is like the hugest thing. God's self-revelation. He doesn't just exist. He is existence. Everything that exists participates in his existence. And Moses was talking about himself. And God was like, let's change the focus a bit and talk about me. Let's talk about, talk about not how weak you are, but how strong I am. Not how you can't put together two coherent sentences or not a good public speaker or whatever. But let's talk about me and how I will be with you. Even if that is a discouraging life, which Moses doesn't get into the promised land. He, he lives a life of tremendous discouragement. And so you, you, know, you could look at it some ways and say that, that he had many failures, but God was with him, even to the end. In, in Jewish tradition, it, it doesn't come out and say it in the Bible, but it says that no one knows where Moses is buried except God. And so, in Jewish tradition, they read between the lines and say, that means God buried Moses himself, which is just such a beautiful, silent, intimate image. So, when you woke up this morning, did you have a different thought come into your mind? Do something a little bit differently from pre-stroke Tommy? Well... It's still to be seen whether whether this is going to be a huge transition point in my life, whether everything will change. And I guess I could say in very little seriousness <laughs> that the pre-stroke time, the before-stroke time, I can just say my whole life before stroke was BS, before stroke. And then since then, we can call it all after serious strokes. <laughs> So that's what I'm acting like now. Oh, uh, but to be serious, um, well, I wake up and I check my blood pressure first thing. And so that's calm. And I do it in my prayer chair. And then I take my medicine. I'm on some, nah, a bunch of medicines. Who cares, right? They're supposed to help and heal my brain. And, and then I pray, you know. And some of it is on target, and a lot of it's just still sleepy Tommy, distracted Tommy. But God doesn't expect us to pray like angels. You know, if you think of a, a person, a kid in the snow making snow angels, you know, it's a beautiful, innocent image. Snow, Psalm 51 says our, our hearts, when they've been purified, they're white as snow. But if you sort of steal that image, when we think that we need to pray like an angel with no distraction, because they don't get distracted, it's just sort of saying to God, you didn't make me right as a human that gets hungry, that gets distracted, that gets angry, that has all these emotions. But God made us just right, and he knew what he was doing. So don't feel pressured to pray like an angel can pray like yourself, just like you are, and that's where God loves you. Will you pray in your sneezing position? Okay, so yeah, I guess I should bring that up. So the doctor listed all these things that could have caused my stroke, <clears throat> and he said, head injury, 
um, head trauma, car crash, whiplash, and all this stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And then he got to violent sneezing. And I looked at my wife and she looked at me. And I was like, shoot, guilty as charged. Because <laughs> had you asked me three weeks ago, no joke, what my favorite hobbies are, I would have said two. Number one, sneezing. And number two, topping off at the gas station. Those are my favorite hobbies. So, yeah, I have to sneeze differently, so that might have actually caused it. My daughters call it scream sneezing, the thing that I used to do, but don't any longer. And they actually asked me a couple weeks ago before Lent started to give up sneezing for Lent. And now I am. So, yeah, I got to sneeze differently without so much crazy whiplash and screaming and arms flailing and kicking furniture. It, I mean, you know, it's, I like the drama of it. The, the amazing thing is how lucky I am, how blessed I am. Thanks for all your prayers. I definitely needed them. And so many people have it so much worse. And I definitely see that more than ever, too. And... I don't. I would say I, I I have like survivor guilt where other people are in much worse cases and and I'm not saying why me. Uh, I don't really have that, but I know that's a thing. I know that's a real thing, and uh, I'm not blaming anybody for having that. It just sort of speaks to this interesting dynamic we have as humans where our feelings don't always line up with reality. They don't always line up with the facts, and it'd be great if they did. Uh, and I think that's kind of something we should try for gently. But again, God understands that. And if he wa had wanted to create us as feelingless logic machines who only operate on ones and zeros and speak binary, he would have done that, but he didn't. So it, it makes sense that a flawed people, a fallen people, our feelings wouldn't always line up with the facts. And to me, there are three, three important parts of life that shed light on this. One is love, and one is guilt, and one is forgiveness. And the straight-up fact is that we are loved. We were loved into existence. We're loved right now. Absolutely. Not just by God, but by so many people. And everyone's outpouring of love and compassion and cards and everything. And food has been uh, a real incarnated testament to that. But we don't always feel it, you know? Don't always feel loved. Guilt. Guilt is funny. You know, in a courtroom, the jury and the judge, they'll say, you have been found guilty. It's like a fact. You, you did it or you didn't. And as humans, it's funny. We sometimes just feel guilty for something we didn't do. Or we feel guilty for something still after the guilt has been removed. Like after we've gone to the sacrament of reconciliation or confession, and that guilt is removed, we've been reconciled, but we still go back to it. Still beat ourselves up about it. Or the other way around is, we could be guilty of something, and we don't feel bad about it. We don't feel guilt at all. But that's what the gospel, the standards of Christianity, the ethical life, confession, examination of conscience helps, to, helps us to see, okay, is there a place where I need to repent? And then hopefully we can get our feelings a little more back in line with the reality, with the facts. And the last is forgiveness. Do we feel forgiven? It's hard to feel forgiven sometimes, or it's hard to feel that we have forgiven someone else. 
someone wrongs us so bad, and we could say, I could never forgive them. But there are these two dynamics. It's like there is some fact in there and there is some feeling. And both are real. And I at least believe that we can forgive someone without totally waiting to feel it first. That since forgiveness is an act of love, therefore it's an act of the will, therefore it's a choice. And it can be a very hard choice, but we can, maybe not fully at first, but maybe if I can forgive this person 30% right now, then I'll forgive him 30%. And say the words and keep saying it till it starts to be real in our hearts. And then we can, can, then we can believe in our own minds. I have forgiven that person. I'm not still holding the grudge. So does that excuse me from not submitting an assignment to you untimely? <laughs> uh, is that the fact? You, you are forgiven. Thank you. So if you don't even know who Lisa is, she's our digital ministries coordinator. She does better uh, at a lot of things that I used to do but didn't spend a lot of time on. She's able to put the time in and have the, the talents to do it. And so that I can do more of the evangelization stuff I used to, talking about Jesus like I am right now. So let's see. That's about it, except for just one other prayer tip that I found for myself. Well, first, let me give you my non-advice and my non-recommendation, because there's just always like new videos, new podcasts to listen to, new books, new homilies, and, and, a lot, and they're just full of recommendations. And a lot of them... They sound great. They even sound like they could be right. And maybe some of them are, but God knows you. So I have no idea what you should do with your lives. And I don't have any advice for you other than God has advice for you. And I know he has a plan, but I don't know what it is for you. And he has some answers, but I don't know what they are for you. But that's why we just got to seek him in prayer. One of the ways I've found... That helps me do this and grow in intimacy with the Lord is I imagine my chest and I imagine in a totally unbloody way my ribs opening up, okay, to reveal my heart, right? And I sort of sit in the chair so my chest is sort of pointing, oriented towards heaven. And I just imagine my ribs gently opening up and then there's a beam of light that connects my heart all the way up to God. And then I don't use words. I just sort of open the heart and just try and feel my feelings at that time and show him what I'm feeling. So that sort of the goal I make at the end of this is, can I say at the end of this three minutes, 11 minutes, whatever it is, I can confidently say, I let the Lord see my blank. And if I can confidently at the end of a short prayer time say, I have let the Lord see my blank, then I'll consider that a good prayer time. So for me, throughout all this multi-strokes thing, I can say, I let the Lord see my fears. Say that confidently. And gently and know that he was loving me there, right there in that spot. Because when we don't just follow the recommendations of whichever talking head, but instead go to God with it, we find his recommendations, 
his advice, are absolutely perfectly tailor-made for us. Different from everybody else on earth. Not just unique to us, but unique to us, unique that day, because I need something different today than I needed yesterday. And once we feel that God speaks to us and works in a unique way, then, boy, we start to believe in Him more. We're blessed with the gift of faith. We stop believing that love, God's love, is just a generic blanket He throws over the world. So that's my non-advice and non-recommendation. I take it to heart. We were talking earlier, and I will keep you in my prayers that I can design a prayer card for you in the future. I asked Tommy if there was a patron saint of sneezing, and then it dawned on us that maybe this experience is... I will be the patron saint of violent, stroke-inducing sneezing. That would be so sad. God, hey, it's got to be something. One time when we, uh, when I was a youth minister, we had a whole discussion and just sort of prayer time and reflection time and discussion time about what would we be depicted with if we were a saint. You know, they often... St. Agnes is always holding a lamb. You know, St. Joseph has like a square hammer. He'll be holding your sneeze. I'll be holding a handkerchief. Yeah, and my face will be contorted like a, uh, uh. It'll be the worst statue ever. It'll be a really tall statue, though. <laughs> yes. Oh. Probably expensive because it's so tall. A lot of marble. A lot of marble. A lot marble. of marble to chisel. Yikes. All right. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, for listening to my fears and how I think God's worked through and is working through this wild, wild episode of my life. Thank you for sharing. We're very, very happy to have you back. Really. Thank you. I'm very, very blessed to be back. Thanks again, everybody for all your prayers. Prayer works. Very, very loved, very lucky. And God loves you very much. And so do we. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us. <laughs>